not like some of them. But he can see her collarbone and some chest ribs above the top of her suit. Despite the breasts, she's skinny, scrawny. She has little stick arms and a thin, sucked-in face. She has a missing side tooth. You can see it when she smiles, and this bothers him. He knows he's supposed to feel lust for her, but this is not what he feels. The waitresses know they're being looked at. They can see the bushes jiggling. The boys are only twelve or thirteen, fourteen at most, small fry. If it was counselors, the waitresses would giggle more, preen more, arch their backs, or some of them would. As it is, they go on with their afternoon break as if no one is there. They rub oil on one another's backs, toast themselves evenly, turning lazily this way and that, and causing Richie, who now has the binoculars, to groan in a way that is supposed to madden the other boys, and does. Small punches are dealt out, mutterings of jerk and asshole. Drool, drool, says Richie, grinning from ear to ear. The waitresses are reading out loud. They are taking turns. Their voices float across the water, punctuated by occasional snorts and barks of laughter. Donnie would like to know what they're reading with such absorption, such relish, but it would be dangerous for him to admit it. It's their bodies that count. Who cares what they read? Time's up, shitface, he whispers to Richie. Shitface yourself! says Richie. The bushes thrash. What the waitresses are reading is a true romance magazine. Trisha has a whole stash of them stowed under her mattress, and Sandy and Pat have each contributed a couple of others. Every one of these magazines has a woman on the cover with her dress pulled down over one shoulder or a cigarette in her mouth or some other evidence of a messy life. Usually, these women are in tears. Their colors are odd, sleazy, dirt-permeated, like the hand-tinted photos in the five and ten. Knee-between-the-legs colors. They have none of the cheerful primaries and clean, toothy smiles of the movie magazines. These are not success stories. True trash, Hillary calls them. Joanne calls them monodramas. Right now, it's Joanne reading. She reads in a serious, histrionic voice, like someone on the radio. She's been in a play at school, our town. She's got her sunglasses perched on the end of her nose like a teacher. For extra hilarity, she's thrown in a fake English accent. The story is about a girl who lives with her divorced mother in a cramped, run-down apartment above a shoe store. Her name is Marlene. She has a part-time job in the store, after school and on Saturdays, and two of the shoe clerks are chasing around after her. One is dependable and boring and wants them to get married. The other one, whose name is Dirk, rides a motorcycle and has a knowing, audacious grin that turns Marlene's knees to jelly. The mother slaves over Marlene's wardrobe on her sewing machine. She makes a meager living doing dressmaking for rich ladies who sneer at her, so the wardrobe comes out all right. And she nags Marlene about choosing the right man and not making a terrible mistake the way she did.
The girl herself has planned to go to trade school and learn hospital management, but lack of money makes this impossible. She is in her last year of high school and her grades are slipping, because she is discouraged, and also she can't decide between the two shoe clerks. Now the mother is on her case about the slipping grades as well. Oh, God, says Hilary. She is doing her nails with a metal file rather than an emery board. She disapproves of emery boards. Someone please give her a double scotch. Maybe she should murder the mother, collect the insurance, and get the hell out of there, says Sandy. Have you heard one word about any insurance? says Joanne, peering over the tops of her glasses. You could put some in, says Pat. Maybe she should try out both of them to see which one's the best, says Liz brazenly.